Midnight Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Let me remind all A-teamers uh, that uh, this part of the show is not suitable for anyone under the age of 18 because it could get very sensitive for many of us. We are talking about creating death plans, uh, something very necessary uh, that um, a lot of people have found themselves wanting because they had no death plan when a loved one passed on. The number to dial to interact with us is 011-714-2006 or you can uh, dial 011-482-1510. SMSs go to 41391 and they are charged at 150. And on WhatsApp, 0614-104-107. Social media platforms at SFM Radio at Patricia N. Ndudli. Hashtag SFM LNC. Let's welcome, uh, no stranger to this side of the A-team, Tony Bass. Good evening. Good evening, Patricia, and hello to all the listeners. Today we're talking about something very sensitive, mm-hmm. and I know one of the scriptures in the Bible, in the book of Ecclesiastes, says, uh, better the day you die than the day you are born. But the day you die is not known, <laughs> caveat, but the day you die is guaranteed that it will come. So we need to be planning for the day of death. Correct, and this is actually a sad reality. Everybody will be born and everybody will die eventually. The day, as you just pointed out, no one knows, but that's why one can put planning into place to make sure that the loved ones that we leave behind are not destitute, but also are put in a better position as though you were still there. Let me go to one of our A-teamers who sent us a voice note. Good evening, Patricia. My name is Leon. I'm from Hardback Cape Town. Quite an insist quite an interesting actually also disturbing uh, sub, uh, subject but we need to talk about that can you hear from your case how do you plan in advance if a family member has a shortfall on a policy or the financial plan how how are you making yourself aware of that while information sometimes is secretive and or do you plan around that or do you have a safety plan up the sleeve to plan around that uh, i had a bit of experience with my late wife passing i had to cope up a little, uh, about thirty thousand rand because her cover and uh, and the family and my own expense expense expenses were way above board Sure. Leon, thank you very much uh, for those questions. Very, very important. Now, Tony, since we are talking about uh, planning for death, Leon poses a question that's very important. How do we plan for family members and those we love who are either secretive about the policies they have or might have policies, but those policies might have shortfalls? So planning comes down to the individual, right? Um it comes down to a point where everybody has to do their particular planning. But if you are planning on behalf of a family member, as most of us know, um, there aren't sufficient funds for everybody to have these plans in place. So let's say Patricia is the one that's planning for her household. Patricia will look at it from the point of how much will it cost me and my family to bury a loved one? And that's the figure that we will use in terms of um, burying this loved one that we do have. But to answer the question of how does one look at the shortfall, 
if you are looking at a live cover, you will look at the replacement value of that particular person's income that they brought into the house. If you're looking at a funeral plan, it's basically just the amount of money that you would need to put that loved one to rest. Um, dignified funeral is normally what the guys would call it. Um, at a kind of reasonable price as well. Normally the guys will say um, any financial institution would give you multiple covers in place to cover that shortfall but we'll cap it up to a certain extent. Across the board, the normal understanding is that any one um, financial house will only cover a particular person up to a hundred thousand rand for both husband and spouse, or wife and spouse. Uh, kids under the age of six will go up to 20,000, and kids over the age of six will go up to a maximum of 40 to 50k as well. So when you start to plan, you start to plan according to the person, the age, and the type of funeral you would want to put in place, if that's the funeral cover route you are going to take. If you're going to take the life cover type of route, you would want to look at exactly what the person has been earning and how one can actually replace that income so that that deficit within the household is not as severely felt. Yes, you admit, we aren't saying that money will replace a person, but it will make your family long as though you are still there. You know, Tony, when we are speaking about these death plans, we need to be very sensitive, especially to to the fact that some of our family members don't work. Some of the family members are, you know, there might be a lot of family members and it will take us back to the issue of, of what people like calling black tax, that if you are looking after X amount of people in your family. Does that then mean you need to also cover that X amount of people? Because you can imagine if one of them passes on, the funeral costs are still going to be there. They might not uh, be gainfully employed and you might not really need to replace their income, but the cost of the funeral might be something that might really, really cripple your um, your finances as the person who's looking after them. And that's actually where most of our brothers and sisters find financial strength. Um, when a death arises, one is never really prepared both emotionally and uh, financially as well. So if you are the one that would have to bear that type of responsibility, you would have to start to think forward as well and start to plan for those things. Because if you have to look at it, no one just has um, 30 thousand rands laying around to bury anybody. But if we can plan now for that day when it does arrive, we can start to put in place measures where we are paying a hundred and thirty rand a month towards that type of event and it's an event that will happen. So in that regard, one will know that I will have to take physical responsibility if I have to bury anyone. So in that regard, I will start to plan in terms of my own pocket and my own capacity right now for the day to come.
A-teamers, we are talking about uh, creating a death plan and why it is necessary, not only for yourself, uh, but for those who you are looking after, so within your family members, because at the end of the day, the cost, like Leon said, can catch you off guard and you might not even have the money. The number to dial to interact with us is uh, WhatsApp 0614-104-107 or SMS 41391. So I'm going to narrate a story of uh, a family that I I know. Within this family, um, there's a couple and this couple is not married, but they live together. They've been living together for a long time. And uh, the the lady is from KwaZulu Natal, when the man is from another province, Mpumalanga, which are two, you know, far 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 away from each other. The lady then passes away, and obviously you can imagine the distress. The, she was not working, and at that time the partner has lost his job as well, and now family members have to come and pitch together to bury this lady. Sadly, with the entire story, the lady's family says, no, but you were not married. In our tradition, you can't just bury a person where they're not married. So you need to come and and then bring the body. So now the costs start increasing. There's now the cost of repatriation of the mortal remains. There's the cost of the coffin. There's the cost of the gravesite. There's the cost of... Uh, the funeral itself and probably even some traditional uh, rites that need to be carried out because uh, this lady now passed on uh, out of wedlock in a family where she was not even married to. Tony, th- these costs are too much. The- are there any ways of of bringing down uh, funeral costs? Look, what, what the story that you had just narrated now it's quite difficult to bring down the costs because one would have to kind of adhere to tradition as well. Um, so those would push up the cost as you have just said. But if one had to realize that the costs are going to be too high, then one couldn't cope. One would alternatively bury the person as close as possible. So those transportation costs um, would not be there. And some of those other costs that one also doesn't foresee in terms of what the family's rituals would be, um, would be kind of uh, mitigated in some way. Uh, but one cannot really keep those costs down because as much as you would love to, um, you can't pinpoint a figure directly to what exactly it could cost you unless you are a person that can budget. So you sit down and you say, I will not spend more then the 40,000 rand that I've planned for, and then you work it out according to uh, your own budget as well. So that is another way for somebody not to find themselves in financial distress, but also to plan according to what they can afford at that particular point. And if they see that traveling costs would be the issue in that regard, one can start to think um, and address the family and say, look, from where I'm sitting, this is the only amount of money that would be possible for me to bury the loved one that I'm trying to bury now. And this would only be possible in Johannesburg, let's say. Um, if I had to move to KZN, it would incur another 10,000 rand, let's just say. Um, and in that regard, you would have to make alternative arrangements. Most of the time, because most people don't want to take out money, 
you find them actually being more lenient towards the fact that maybe we should actually just leave the person to get buried closer to where um, they had passed because it would actually incur less cost towards us as well. So in the, to say, but it's a fact. Mm, mm. So in the, in 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 the the, the the scenario I was painting, which is a, is a factual scenario, uh, the 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 man's family um, had to end up, you know, clubbing together. So cousins, brothers, aunts, uh, sisters, everyone was called together to club in money so that there's no shame. And I use the word, yeah. um, you know, very loosely upon their family, and everyone clubbed together so that this particular lady's body could be uh, repatriated, uh, her mortal remains, and obviously for all the costs to be covered. But I'm sure some A-teamers have experienced this, where you are being called in to club money together for a burial of uh, a family member who's, uh, you know, far removed or extremely extended. And I I want to hear from you, A-teamers, how did this set you off financially? And do you feel that having a a death plan for your extended family family members is one that uh, you should be um, considering. Please do WhatsApp on 0614-104-107 or SMS on 41391. I've got a, an SMS here from one of our A-teamers who says, Ish Patricia, e It's uh, both an extremely important and sensitive subject, though, for various reasons uh, to have such a plan in place. Kodwa, um, Pelatina, we've got extended families in jail. So it, it is a fact that, especially in our black communities, we, we've got extended families and, and some are dependent and reliant on us. How, how do we then, Tony, you know, if, if, for instance, if you are the breadwinner, inverted commas, for a group of about 20 people, how how do you then, out of the budget that you have for daily living and daily expenses for all these 20 people and yourself, also make sure that there's a death plan in place? Okay, so one, one would basically break it down to what your current monthly budget is. Within your monthly budget, you would also plan that there's a certain amount. So the budget within your budget for death to be covered is what you need to do at that point. When you do this, the budget that you have allocated to death in terms of a policy would basically cover the bare necessities. So you would say, for me to cover the five or six people that I'm taking care of, I'm only willing to spend a maximum of 350 rand. Based on the 350 rand budget that you've got in total to spend per month, you can actually establish exactly what can be covered and who will be covered on that policy for their demise or death um, at that point. Now, when you look at how much someone can get covered with, there are a few factors that you need to keep in mind. A person's age would play a big role in terms of how expensive or how cheap that policy would be for you to cover that particular person. So the older the people are on the policy, the more it would cost for a specific amount. Whereas if the people are younger, you could actually get um, a higher cover for that particular person at a lower rate as well. Um, that's a determining factor in terms of what you would pay per person, because it's not a um, size 
size a one size fit all type of approach that you would have there, you would have to say, Uko, Coco's older than all of us. But for her to get married, she would need thirty thousand rand and nothing less. So plan according to that. Allocate it according to who is older, who would cost more to get married, and that's how you would establish how much cover can be put in place with a minute budget that you might have. Now, um, we're, uh, I'm, 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 I'm thinking about this burial stock fills. Do they still exist? And do they, do they have a place in our communities to, to aid us? Well, they do. Um, let me look at what a burial stock fill is. Um, basically, a lot of people would know it as a society. Where people come together for stuff like burial where they would yap out with the dishes so you don't have to get the catering cost in. They would yap out with the PB shopping so you don't have guys or costs attached to that type of activity as well. Um, it is something good. It, it is something that gives some people a sense of belonging as well, knowing that at the end of the day, if I'm not around anymore, this particular group that I belong to can also um, give some comfort, but also give a hand when the family is really in distress um, and really not knowing whether they're coming or going. Some structure as well in that regard. So the time that you spend and the minimal amount of money that you spend within that particular group can actually assist you in the long run where some of the costs in terms of catering, fishing, uh, preparing, will not be on the family. So it basically takes away some of those costs that would have been uh, on that particular person or the family when they're in the competition. Let me go to some of our A-teamers voice notes. Hi, uh, good evening. Uh, my my, my uh, wife works for an events planning company and she lost the job uh, last year, June, I think, yeah. And her mother, my wife's mother passed away in uh, October and uh, my wife's brother, sisters uh, and her brother, they all have policies that uh, covered uh, my mother-in-law in the event of that. So when my mother-in-law passed away, what they did was they split the costs of the funeral in four because they are four children. And because they had policies out that covered my mother-in-law, it was easier for them to like give their portion of the funeral cost. But now, because my wife wasn't working, I had to pay out of pocket. So uh, it actually hurt us a lot. But anyway, yeah, thank you. So, uh, Tony, in, in, you know, sometimes um, those, like in this instance, who are not, uh, they, they are family members, but not directly linked because of loss of jobs, end up being the ones to foot the bill. And, sure. and I mean, was this particular A-team supposed to have had a policy for the, the mother-in-law as well? Basically, as you, you have heard from the A-team, all the siblings did have covered in place. I also think that, or well, I'm assuming at this point, that she also did have cover in place, but when she lost the job, she could not carry that particular premium um, to actually maintain that. What could happen in that sense is that you could either um, find 
via your spouse, via an alternative route of income, just a minimal, just for you to have that cover in place. Normally what guys would do is they don't cancel the cover totally. They would actually reduce the amount just to make sure that they've got something in place in case a loved one died. Um, that would also make sure that there's not so much pressure in terms of now he had to take money out of his pocket to actually assist as well in that cover uh, or in that burial. Um, as much as it is the right thing to do, um, it does put the financial strain on you because for you to recover that cost that you have actually incurred um, will take you a few months, not even or even years if you are not properly prepared for it as well. Now, let's look at the life cover versus funeral cover, because uh, we know that uh, our communities are always, especially the black communities, uh, sold funeral covers. So it's on television, it's on radio, it's everywhere. And people knock at your door selling you funeral cover. But you say that this is usually something that can cover the actual funeral costs at at a bare minimum and leaving nothing for the loved ones who are, are who are left behind so the, f- the the funeral cover yes is good but a life policy seems to be one that uh, we should be gunning for okay so basically the difference is burial is important but leaving a generation where there is a legacy that to leave in behind as well um, in terms of some stability for the family, it should always be goal number one. When when a loved one, let's say a father passes away now, or a mother passes away now, and they were earning an income to contribute to, to that particular household, when that income disappears, the strain will fall onto the other working people within that household. Let's say there's only one person at work, other than the loved one that has just passed. All of those other costs that he or she never used to see, because my spouse used to take care of it, or my sister used to take care of it, starts to show. Um, and in that regard, that's where your life cover comes in. Your life cover is a lump sum that is paid out to the beneficiaries that is selected by the insured. So if you are the mother, you can actually insure yourself for the amount of money. So your shortfall would be basically your salary times four. That's what normal employers do. Other guys would uh, say, I would rather want a specific sum. Like I want two million grand cover for myself in case of my death. Those two moles must be split amongst my three kids and my spouse. And in that regard, if my kids are below the age of 18, it should go into a trust where money is paid to them as and when um, it arises within a month, every three months, every six months, every year. At the age of 18, that money would be paid out in lump sum to them. Or you can put in a clause that states in your will that the money that is supposed to pay paid to my child when they reach the age of 21 or 25 when they've accomplished at least one of their first degrees. Different parents have different um, beliefs in terms of when a child is ready for uh, money as well. So that's something that you have to think about when you're actually putting a life cover in place because a life cover gives you lump sums of money and it gives it all at once if you don't have any 
specific direction for that money um, in terms of your role would actually speak directly to your life cover as well. Now, and WhatsApp here came in saying, um, I worked for an insurance company previously, and I can confirm that it's very important to cover your immediate family, extended family members, and in-laws. Burial is very important. We need to cover our loved ones uh, to give them a decent funeral. Couples can all cover each other, um, even though they're not married. Usually, after three months of uh, staying together, insurance will be able to pay out, uh, provided that waiting periods are reached and that monthly premiums were paid well. With regards to a life cover, one would have to take one for themselves. Another party would not be able to take one for you. You unless you are married. Uh, this is uh, from Mohao Lisebo in Bloemfontein. Comments on that, Tony? No, that's actually, it hit the, the nail right on the head. Another thing that you also have to prove with most financial institutions are insurable interest. You have to prove why you need such an amount of money to be covered on a particular individual or on yourself if you have to put it on yourself. Um, you basically have to show that there is a particular need for that cover to be in place or you would be viewed as being overinsured as well, Patricia. So you can't be overinsured. You need to be within the legal frameworks. But let, let's explain this one, that the issue of covering only your spouse that you are married to uh, in terms of life cover. Why can't you cover um, your, your mother who is also contributing to the household? You know, there is there's a gray area there. Um, what a lot of financial institutions would do is, if that particular person is contributing to the household, and there is a particular need from that person, then they might look at it. So let's say the mother is still working, right? You, as a child, you also started to work, but the amount of money that you are earning would not suffice or would not be enough to continue uh, the lifestyle that you guys have made yourself accustomed to. But there are still other debts that need to be paid. So your mother would take out the life cover on herself to cover the debts that have incurred or that she has incurred over the few years that she's been alive. In that regard, it leaves you with no debt when she passes on. But it also puts you in a position, let's say there's some grandkids in place, there are some policies like your educator that can be put in place for the education of the grandkids if she was the one contributing to the education of the child as well. So it's very uh, case-dependent as well. Uh, so when you're doing life cover, you have to look at the financial needs analysis that needs to be done first to understand exactly what the person's contribution is towards the household or to the livelihood of the family at hand. If there is no link, if the mother does not contribute to anything within the household, it's going to be very difficult for you to just put a particular number on that particular parent because at the end of the day, so a life cover is not really to be put in place to enrich anyone. It's to put you back to the same position that you were uh, before the person had passed. 
And clearly it's important for families and couples to sit down and discuss these things, the sort of cover they have or funeral insurance policies they have. It shouldn't be a secret so that everyone knows um, what they need to pull in. Well, in an ideal world, it's actually the best thing to do. But I think also fear. Um, people have a perception that if if someone knows what I'm insured for, they might just come after me. Right? And that's a fact. Um, people feel that once once my spouse knows that I've got a million rands worth of life cover, um, she might just do something on a day that I'm sleeping. Sure. <laughs> and it's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny that that is the perception. But if you think that way, you're actually killing your family in a very particular way. Planning as a family gives you the ability to know exactly where costs can get cut. So if, let's say, you lose your job, your family can sit with you and say, but dad or mom, you know that you've got this particular cover in place. We need the life cover more than we actually need us to have a particular brand of cereal within the house. Maybe we can adjust which brand of cereal we use for us to continue paying the life uh, The family element of financial planning is where we lack. If we plan as a family, we're actually planning um, holistically as well. Because you start to take into account, and everybody starts to become accountable to the financial budget of the family and not their own financial budget individually. When doing this, it makes it a bit easier for everybody to understand exactly where the household money goes to. You don't find a, a person sitting there and saying, hey, I wonder what they did with the money this month, because we're all on the same page. So really that creates more open communication as well, but it also educates the next generation on what to do. We're having a bit of an issue where kids get large sums of money, don't really know exactly how it came about, and don't really know how to maintain it or create that steady stream of income as well. So it is a bit scary in that regard. But if you had sat down as a family, you know exactly what that money was intended to do, and maybe that would actually trigger um, wise spending. There's a show I watch all of the time where people get these large sums of money, and within a year or two, it's done and the person is back to zero and having to start over. Uh, I'm sure a lot of our A-teamers actually know exactly the show that I'm speaking about as well, but that is a reality. Planning as a family will make sure that there's no inconsistencies in terms of where we are as a family, but it will also make sure that the people that are left behind can continue as per normal with with at least... um, some sort of comfort and less stress as well. So, yeah, I think we have to start planning as a family. Patricia, what do you think about that? Well, I definitely do agree. Don't keep it a secret, especially around insurance issues. Let me go to an A-teamer. Asanda, good evening. Good evening, Mr. Patricia. How are you? Oh, my goodness. I've been trying to get hold of you for decades. Listening to your show from the aesthetic gynecologist. been amazing. Thank you very much, Asanda. Right, Mr. Julian. 
Basically, I've got this contribution to make. I love your show, yes. But I've got this contribution to make. I'm a social worker in Berkeley East. Berkeley East is a small town, couple within the small mountains of Lesotho. And I've got this small uh, contribution to make. I think if we can make as a community, né? because I'm listening to a lot of your experts that you have in studio and your guests, I think that as a social worker that has clients coming in and out every other time, how about if we make a funeral stock sale, yeah? I'm hearing you. And how would it yeah. work, Asana? So, so Umzagelo would have a book stock sale. Book stock sale, if you love reading books, you contribute a certain amount of money toward books, and then you have books at the end of a month or whenever. So how about the, the indigent people, you have clients that cannot... They are all grant beneficiaries. They receive all, all, all age grants and disability grants. They are taking care of most of their family members. But because of this, they have no knowledge in between. How do I deal with my brother's child who was lost and is a foster child? They don't want to uh, approach or they do not know how to approach the social services. How do we actually assist them and say, let's establish a, uh, like a stock sale to say in the community, we are establishing a stock sale to say we are contributing a grant. 50 rand grant, 20 rand grant is coming from the rest of the world. Nation builders, they're contributing this. We want to bury them as indigent people. I'm just putting that as a as a mm. suggestion. Mm. That's yeah. what I want to make tonight. I think that's a beautiful suggestion, Asanda, that uh, communities start uh, considering death plans for each other so that we can be able to look after each other um, when the time of bereavement comes. Thanks for the contribution, Asanda, and uh, strength to the work that you do up there. Thank you so much, Sister Tricia. I've been longing to get a hold of your show, huh? <laughs> well, you finally on air. Thank you very much, Atima Sanda. Absolutely. I'm an Atima for now, Loi. <laughs> <laughs> So, Tony, um, Asanda is speaking um, from a social worker's point of view, and he works in a, a rural area of uh, South Africa. And he, he, he's talking about how we can just, you know, perhaps start stock fells in our communities to help each other, even for as little as 20 yeah. rand. Yeah. How, how, do you think th- this sort of idea could work? And I understand that our communities for, for, for a long time have been communities that contribute towards uh, funerals, but obviously with the financial strains on people and individuals, it's not that easy. Correct. So, very good idea. Um, how one would structure such an idea is every month there would be a minimal contribution. Let's say we contributed 20 rand a month per household. If you take that particular income and find an investment house or investment vehicle, they can actually hold that money, but also grow it at the same time in terms of interest. Yes, it might not be much, but it leaves you with a a pot to work with when someone does pass. So as a group, you will choose exactly how much per household you will get on the day that someone actually does have a debt, 
well, let's say someone passes away from Manjabula's house. You will take out of that pot, give them, and then also on top of that, you'd probably go and assist with the feeding and stuff. At the end of the day, it's not the size of the money that is with them, but any amount of money that is given to a family to bury a loved one will actually assist you in the long run as well. Um, because the money that you are currently contributing to that particular household is what they might have just needed. That they could buy the, the coffee and the cheese. So when, um, so when people come in to mourn, instead of them having to take it out of their particular budget where they could have actually used it for the coffin, um, that particular element of the beginning when people come and mourn is actually covered by that particular stock fair that has already been started. So it's a very good idea. I think um, you just have to speak to your community as a whole, um, mm. find an investment house or institution that you would like to use, put it in something like a money market account where it is accessible within at least 48 hours, and that could be the answer to such a structure. Let's go to a voice note. Good evening, Patricia and your team. Uh, you know what? I've recently noticed that some families can afford uh, funeral policies, but they just don't take them. They only realize that when the family member's body is lying in a mortuary and the government is calling, come collect your body. When are you collecting your body? Then they start calling around. So it's so unfair because they can afford, but they choose not to. They just don't take it as serious. I don't know, maybe because they just tell themselves that when I'm dead, I don't see anything. The ones who are left behind will do something. This is inconveniencing others. Very, very true. Very, very true. The inconvenience is something that we, we it's just not fair, especially if you can afford it. Tony, um, how can you encourage those who are in a position like what our ATMA is saying, that they just say, well, when I'm dead, I'm dead. Bazos bonela basel. Well, it's a very unfair and selfish approach to have it. Um, at the end of the day, we should have the mentality that I want to leave my family better off. No one wants to dig a hole for the family. So it's not how do we advise a person that has that mentality. It would be how we can actually get them to start to think differently. If you see your kids, Think about your kids as little eggs. If you continuously put strain on them, they will crack. Think about you putting yourself in a position, yes, you can afford it, so why don't you do it? The reason why those products are put in place is to assist. It's not, and people have this mentality that, um, no, people are going to eat my money. No, we are not there to eat for money. We are there to bury you with respect, love, and care. That's all that products are made for. So in that regard, a person that thinks that I don't see for themselves, it's a very selfish approach for an ever-looming issue that we have. The issue there is death. Everybody will die. But yap your kids, yap your family, get to a point where they can bury you without burying themselves in terms of the financial constraints. Patricia. 
Tony, you know, I think uh, the discussion that we've had is one that is an eye-opener, and I think uh, a lot of our A-teamers, including myself, have really gained a lot of knowledge and understanding as to what needs to be done. And what needs to be done is to have a, a proper death plan, and uh, it must be discussed um, as a family. Thank you so very much for joining us, Tony. How do people get in touch with you? Because you are a financial advisor and also a business insurance specialist. Yes, yeah, so you can get hold of me at zero six zero nine double seven five six three zero. You can also check me out on Facebook. It's Tony Base T O N Y B U I S. Same for Instagram and same for Twitter. Thank you so very much, Tony. Looking forward to another discussion with you. Have a good evening. Always a pleasure.